Welcome in to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast with your hosts, Daryl and Daryl Jackson, where we bring you a weekly roundup of the past, present, and future in the world of sports. For great sports content that you can get at home or on the run, it's time to listen up to a father and his son. What's going on, everybody? Welcome for the very first time to the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast. I am your host, Daryl Jackson II. I'm here with my dad, Daryl. He is Daryl, the original. I am 2.0. We are two men from the upstate New York Adirondacks. We love God. We love family. We love sports. We're thankful for this platform to be able to use it to connect with you and share what we think and what we learn and what we feel in the world of sports and get that out there to you. We're so thankful to do this and we're thankful that you are here. And we just hope to continue to give you content week to week on the past, the present, and the future in the world of sports. And we hope you enjoy it. I want to start out by giving some shout outs right now. I want to give out shout outs to my friend Greg Boyer at The Regular Show. You can check him out on Anchor. Does an excellent job. He set me up to get this going. Want to give him a shout out. Want to give a shout out to Jonathan Halter, aka Sherman, for helping me put together a lot of the sound, a lot of the flow to this podcast and make it great for everyone. I want to give a shout out to my beautiful, lovely wife, Abby Ann, who's allowed me to stay out late nights with these guys to put this all together. And we just hope that over the course of the next couple of weeks and going forward, you really, really settle in and really get to enjoy what we do, and we get, hope you enjoy it as well. Wow, yeah, that's just a free-flowing opportunity for a father-son to get together. That's what it's all about. Common people talking about common sports. And that's something that we really like to do and something that brings us together. Um, there are so many other things that we can talk about. There's all these crazy things that's going on in our world. Today, you know. But what we see is that sports brings people together, and that's what we want to do. That's exactly it. And so we're going to put a podcast together each week, talk about the issues that are going on. There's going to be times where there's not much going on and we'll just reminisce on the past. We'll talk about the future. We'll create scenarios. We'll create all kinds of fun ways to talk about what we love. Uh, We're going to give you the rundown for today. Usually these episodes are going to be right around an hour. So won't be too long, won't be too short, will be just about right. And wherever you find yourself, whether you find yourself at home, whether you find yourself on the run, it's time to listen up to a father and his son. We're going to be giving you good stuff each week. Um, we right now are, are going to be talking about uh, March Madness, and we we're going to talk about all the the ways it goes through. Um, but you know, there's a sound that that we love every March. There's a sound that we look forward to every March, and it sounds kind of like this. Don't you love that sound? Oh, isn't yes, that the sound yes. of joy? Did we miss it last year? We missed it so bad. Wow, what a downer. It was a real downer for a lot of people. You know how many people that normally don't even get into sports or but they fill out those brackets and stuff like that. That was something taken away from us last year and stuff. But hey, man, what a blessing that we got it back. We got it back. It's 2021. It's back. This sound is going to be on your televisions for the next couple of weeks. 
hey, shout out to all the coaches, all the you know administrators, all the uh, athletic directors, and those athletes, like you know, following the rules, doing what you have to do to get, make this happen. And we're gonna have to give a big shout out for Indiana, Lord, just to host this this year. What a blessing that is for Indiana to be hosting all four. Regions. regions. All four regions. In I mean, one uh, state. What can we say? That's a, you know, what a blessing. That's all I can say. It's, it's super exciting. And we're just we're just glad it's here. But just like we talked about, 2020, 2020 hurt. Well, we were looking forward to an amazing tournament. A lot of mid-majors that had were high seeds. You think of schools like Dayton. You think of schools like San Diego State and Baylor. At, you know, they're back this year. But a lot of schools that really were looking to make that run. Um, that got it cut short. Um, so we're in pain, but it was, of course, it was beyond the sports world. It just happened to be that the pandemic started right as March Madness started. So I, I believe that March Madness didn't have the, the college basketball, just college sports in general, just didn't have the time to really process through how you get a bubble like we got with the NBA. Right. You know, when you think about the little conferences, like we think about, you know, how teams like Harvard, Yale, had an opportunity and stuff like that cut short. Even this year, you see the Ivy League didn't even play because of the pandemic. That's something that we got to take into account that when we look at this whole thing that's taking place, that there's no Ivy League representative. Exactly. And so we, we are, we're going to miss them, but we're thankful that most of the teams are able to be back this year and that things were able to be worked out to get all the schools in Indiana. I think that's smart. I think it, this is very much different than the NBA where it's professionals and you only have a, a small amount of teams in a bubble. This is, you know, we're talking about 68 schools, uh, so many staff, coaches, administrators represented. So how do you work that all in, in the state of Indiana? I hope it can work. I think it can work. I think if everybody cooperates with everything that they need to do and, and, and don't violate the rules, I think that this could be uh, a real opportunity to, to enjoy. Oh, yeah. I think if everybody follows protocol, I mean, student athlete has to be wise to think. And like I said, you know, the team um, staff have to be really wise in how they counsel these kids and let them know that the importance what's going on here when they in their hotels, between the hotel to the place they're going to be practicing, stuff like that. They really got to be on soon. I mean, we look at it, it was a successful season. If I'm not mistaken, it was like 80% of the games were played for this year, and that's a big accomplishment because when they first started, there was a lot of people thinking about bailing out for the whole season, but then piece by piece, people started going, hey, that's like we looked at even like football. And they did it too, and some teams started later. But hey, things happen, and it's how you know everything came to, into place. Exactly, and, and kudos to everybody who had to take all these COVID tests. Um, some who already taken the vaccine, and a lot of people that have made sacrifices to make it possible. Uh, we're thankful for you. We're thankful that we get to experience this all because it's it's everybody's game. Hey, we are so happy. Just super we're happy. super happy. We're super back. happy because sports is kind of like the color in the sky. You know, the sky is there, but it just adds something to it. And we're, we're glad that March Madness, which is a big part of the sporting calendar, uh, gets to be played. So we're really excited. Uh, we just think that if everybody does what they're supposed to do, this is going to go successful. We really hope there's no teams that miss or there's any incidents that are found out. We, uh, you know, of course, Duke had a bad season uh, to begin with, but, you know, they were pulled out of the ACC tournament without a chance to kind of go on a, on a run that Georgetown went on. Uh, Kansas had to pull out. Virginia had to pull out. So there's some schools that had to 
they had to vacate opportunities maybe to creep higher into the seedings. Who knows? But now that it's a winner go home, we just, all you can hope for is that there's no incidents where, where a team has to uh, has to step out of the tournament for, for any other reason than a, than a loss in an actual game. Right, and that's what we got to look at. Because, you know, even this year, they even have the four replacement teams. I guess that cutoff is today was the cutoff. I believe Tuesday was the cutoff if anybody was going to be coming up positive or anything like that. So, evidently, no one did. And we're going to go with the 68 teams, and they're going to start Thursday night. Exactly. So, it's a little dis- different this year for, for those who are tuning in and, and, and learning about how Things typically start on Thursday, so you'd have the play-in games on like a Tuesday. You'd have a couple, and then you have a couple on Wednesday. Um, so it typically would start tonight, and then the the main tournament would start 12 noon on Thursday. Uh, but this year, a little different with uh, everybody in, in one place. So you're going to have all the play-in games on Thursday night, and then the tournament action starts on Friday, and we'll go through the weekend uh, into Monday. Right, and one of the things we wanted to talk about is how do the NCAA, you know, keep this thing and everybody safe in Indiana. One of the biggest things, like we said earlier, is protocol. Everybody has to be responsible. All players have to do what they need to do. Um, there will be people trying to slip in, you know, even in the bubble we had that problem with in the NBA. That people, some family members tried to slip in, things like that, try to get extra tickets or whatever. Um, these are the things that these young men have to be sit, sit down with the administration, with the coaches, with the staff, everybody, you know, the you know, athletic directors, and really um, bring these kids up to speed to understand the importance of what's going on because this will have an effect on a lot of different people. I mean, there there's a lot of pro prospects in this tournament and stuff like that, and people want to see who they are. You know, last year, I mean, you think about the NBA draft this past year, um, there were a lot of unknowns, you know, because they didn't really get to see. I mean, yeah, we have scout, scouting that goes on and stuff like that, but there was a, a lull there, and you can tell by how the draft went, you know, and how the players are playing that, you know, could people be picking a different, you know, manner, you know, with a different draft order and stuff like that. But that's why I said this is really a big thing that we got to look for, and I think it's something that we need to really take into account. Exactly that, and I just hope that, that that will be the case, and it's just a few weeks. I tell everybody, I know you, of course, you want to see your family, of course, you want to get out and do your thing, you want to be a little more free, but this is a special moment. That's why they call it a lot of times, they call the tournament one shining moment. This is your one shining moment. Uh, you're not guaranteed to get it back. I mean, so uh, just be wise, be responsible, be uh, sacrifice. You, you, you made it to the finish line. It's just time to, time to get through and, and really enjoy. So um, now we're going to talk about kind of like our happy surprises. You know, what are we looking forward to going into the tournament? I'm going to talk about two schools that I'm really happy about. The first one is a school that I grew up in. Right before we moved to upstate New York, we lived in Piscataway, New Jersey. And Rutgers has, for the, for the longest time, just been the laughing stock of college sports. And last year, they would have qualified. And so you thought, wow, that would have been their first opportunity in almost, what, 30 years? I think it was 1991, the last time they made the tournament, to make it again. And so, so to be able to be resilient and to come back into to this year in a loaded Big Ten and to qualify for the tournament as a 10 seed, uh, I'm really, really uh, proud of the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, and I uh, wish them a lot of success in the tournament. Okay, and one of my biggest surprises, the run of the Big East, my team, Georgetown Hoyas. And we see, hey, it was just a great, great tournament and to end to qualify on the day that John Thompson Jr. was hired 
by Georgetown, March 13, 1972. For them to get win the championship on that day, to make it to the tournament. They haven't been in the tournament since, um, I believe, 2015. And that's something that we really th take in to see that how important that the tournaments are that they give that team that opportunity. Like you said, this is like March Madness and stuff like that. And Georgetown being picked to be last in the Big East in the first in the tournament. It was amazing. That That's the Georgetown. I was talking to my dad because I know he's a Georgetown guy. And, you know, I was just disappointed because I just know, like, Georgetown's usually at the top of the pecking order. And uh, just in, in recent years, I mean, it's always like a sub-500 record. You're wondering, like, what's going on? Like, um, this is not the Georgetown that, that I know, you know, that I grew up watching um, and experiencing. And so finally, you know, to see them just even – play like that for a few days and, and, and punch a ticket into the dance. That's, that's my second um, biggest surprise here. I just love the way they've been playing. I love the the tenacity, the urgency, the the confidence, the swagger going into the tournament. Um, you know, I love their chances against Colorado. If they can kind of command the game the way they commanded it over the course of the last couple of weeks here, especially in the Big East tournament. And I'm, I'm excited to see uh, what they do when they play. Okay. Um, biggest disappointment. I, I, I know it sounds crazy, but I, I do not have one. I can't look at a team that I felt was harshly snubbed. Um, I feel like the committee did the best job they've done in a while. I'm just glad to have a tournament, so I'm not going to sit here and complain too much. I, I think that uh, we got a really good thing set up, and I'm excited to see it go. Yeah, that's a good thing. At first, when you first hear it, you think about certain teams. and But then the thing is, there's so much background checks that we don't know. Just the average fan don't understand. Quad wins, first quad, second quad. And then one of the biggest things that came out after, like most likely was on Monday, was Belmont. You know, 26-4. and four. But the thing is, they had no quad wins. And they had a, a, loss, a bad loss in quad, a, a quad two game. And the things like that. And I don't even think the coach realized, you know, they, they lost in their tournament. And it was like a conference tournament, one win, one team gets in. And they knew that. And they just didn't do it. And I think Morehouse just came to play that week, you know, that weekend in that tournament. And that's what happened. But then you look at the whole thing. I think um, when you think about disappointments, like my son said, yeah, not really many disappointments and stuff like that. It's just that um, we just got to be thankful that we do have a tournament and stuff like that. So, hey, biggest disappointment? No, I, like I said, it was said right. I think the tournament you know, committee did a really, really good job. And what I would say, some of the seedings... Correct. Some of the seedings are questionable. Could have been a little bit better. I mean, yeah, like, you know, like, I'm I, saying I, power like, conferences with champions being seeded... Under nine, I always had this rule. Maybe I thought it was this way until I seen it this year. I always thought if you if you won a power conference, the lowest seed you could get is an eight. Right. You know, I'm thinking if you're you know if you're an at large or you're a mid major winner, you're going to be nine through sixteen. But if you've even if you've had a struggling scene, if you find a way to win the power conference, you cannot be seeded twelfth like Georgetown, ninth like Georgia Tech. I understand that you know there could be argument made ACC's down this year, but still like that's 
not a great starting point. True, and that's and that's what I would look at. And then you, then you have to really think about in, within that whole. Process. Oh yeah, and not to mention Oregon State, Pac-12 champion from the Conference of Champions, um, seeded twelfth. Right. So I'm thinking like. You know, I feel bad for some of these higher seeds. You know, you got to play somebody coming in hot um, that that got underseeded. So right, there and you then, go. And then you look at and you also look at teams like Loyola, Chicago. Right. Actually, should have been higher seeded. Right, stuff As like an that. Eight seed, and I, I'm pretty sure, if we're not mistaken, they have to play Georgia Tech. Yes, yeah, so that's an eight nine matchup. So that, that's a tough tough call for two conference champions, uh, especially Loyola, Chicago, with 26 plus wins this year. Right, um, and then. You have Georgia Tech there, so that's a that's a real hard go in a game. You, see, you you look, for example, at the West bracket, and you see Oklahoma and Missouri. Could we have not, for example, flipped Loyola, Loyola Chicago for Oklahoma, and you know had had them go up against Missouri, and you have Oklahoma go up against Georgia Tech? That's some that's a flip I would have made. Right, even Georgetown could have slipped into a a, a ten, you know, or you know, nine ten spot. Easily because again they won the Big East, a Power Five conference and stuff like that. But it just shows, you know. I mean, again, people's had to go. The, the committee had to make a decision and stuff like that. I think there's a very hard um, draw here with LSU and um, Saint Bonaventure. That's another eight yeah. nine that you look at. And you right. saw, you saw the way LSU played against Alabama in the SEC title game. Literally just a bucket away. From coming away with their first conference title in 31 years, right. playing great, no one can stop Christian Wofford. He was arguably going to be the tournament MVP um, for the SEC, and uh, they get dropped here to an eight seed, which I feel to a degree could be favorable for them. We're going to talk about that in a second here. Right, and, but, then, and then you also got to think about a very good Colorado team against a Georgetown team. Not a good matchup for either one of the teams. There's something there. That could have been adjusted there. I mean, there's other teams that we see that we can bounce off of. But overall, overall the committee think, did a really good job. I think they did a really good job. We're, we're excited to, to see this happen. So our, our next question that we're, we're, we're going to tackle here is, which underdog do we believe is set to likely be 2021's biggest surprise, a.k.a. the Cinderella of this tournament? Dad, who you got? Wow, <laughs> Cinderella. I mean, it's... it's there's a few teams out there, but um, um, University of California, Santa Barbara. I, I like the Gauchos. Yeah, um, that's one and, team that yes. that, that's the, and 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 don't be don't sleep on Colgate. Exactly. See, we're on the same vein here. I told my dad took all twelve seeds in this tournament. I'm just gonna go on a limb. The highest percentage of lower seeds to defeat higher seeds are your twelve. Versus five matchups. So a lot of these matchups for the 12th seed in the tournament are very favorable. You start out in the south with Winthrop going against Villanova. That injury at the point guard position could really come Gillespie, back. Gillespie, yeah, being Cor out. Yeah, that's a big deal for them. Winthrop's hot. They're, uh, 20, I believe, 26-4 uh, and four on the season. Playing really well. Conference champion going against this matchup. I like that a lot. I look at the Midwest. I see Oregon State coming off hot against in the big uh, Pac-12. Winning that conference, going up against a up and down, up and down Tennessee, Tennessee team. team. Yeah, you never I know. See a Jekyll and Hyde. There. You never know who's going to show up. I, exactly, and I, I just Barnes believe. have a very good team. He has a lot of talent there, but they they just don't show up. They every just day. don't show up well, when they need to. Um, 
I love the way Georgetown's been playing. I, I, I predict that that um, is going to be a, a, a slow-paced physical game. And if it is, I, I just think that bodes well in Ahoya's favor. I, I like Colorado their speed. I think they tripped themselves up losing the Pac-12 title game. Had they won that, I think they would have bumped up to like about a four seed, which would have been a better path for them in, in this tournament. But um, I, I like I like the Hoyas in that matchup. And finally, I'm going with the Gauchos, US, uh, UCSB. Um, my man Jim Rome, one of my mentors, one of the guys I love to listen to. Um, that's his alma mater. I love his take. I love the offense. I, I, th I think that they can really uh, put up a good matchup here against Creighton, who I think will play better than they did again in the Big East final. But I just feel that um, uh, the Gauchos are on the move, and I think they're going to get it done. Okay, another team I look at is a, it's a, actually a nine seed is St. Bonaventure. I think St. Bonaventure could squeeze out that first game when they plant LSU, you know, just because it's the matchup. A lot of times when we look at basketball, it's about matchup because you say, man, this team really can play really well against one team, but when they play the other team, it seems like that. And all coaches out there know it's all about matchups. Who has the, you know, the matchup that's going to be the positive at the game and stuff like that and what you see. I feel like, and then with Michigan, and if they do make that run and win in that first game, I think they would give Michigan a really good game. Um, but the injury, the leverage, um, I think it would be really tight. Exactly, and that's um, my final take here with the surprises. I'm looking at LSU. I think they're going to take advantage of this matchup and the situation. I think they played really, really well. They lost to Alabama. Uh, no fault there, but I, I just see that uh, they're going to take advantage of the situation, and uh, I think that they're going to come through against St. Bonaventure and, and um, uh, give Michigan a run for their money. Um, lastly, I, um, oh, uh, Colgate, um, as you had just mentioned, Dad, I just think that uh, when you look at uh, their offensive rate um, compared to all of the teams in college basketball, I think they shoot the ball just as good as anybody. I think they're very proficient. A lot of their season was – was postponed due to the COVID concerns, but they're playing great. I think they've won uh, 15 plus games in a row, something like that. And, and they're going to get against just like a Tennessee, just an up and down Jekyll High type of Arkansas team that I just don't know who's going to show up. But I think Colgate uh, will be in the moment, and I think they're going to be uh, the surprise of the first round. Okay, good. So now our next question is, which favorite do you believe is set to likely be 2021's biggest disappointment? So I'm going to go ahead and uh, give Dad a minute to think about that one, but I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out just kind of had, had a, just as I was talking about LSU. I, I think that the liver's injury to Michigan, if it's serious, if he if he can't be at least 75%, I think it really hurts the team. Uh, if, if there's a college team that I probably watched the most uh, this year, and I, and I felt really, really good. And I even still kind of feel kind of good about is Michigan. I think they're a very complete ball team. I think Jawan Howard's done a heck of a job uh, getting this team to be in, in title contention every year. But the liver's injury just really, really concerns me. I think he's kind of the cog that makes the engine go on that team. And if, if he's not right, I think it, it really disrupts their flow. It disrupts their offense. Their most recent loss against Ohio State, only 67 points. That's about 15, 20 lower than what they've been putting up. And um, I, I think that that could be a concern uh, against LSU if LSU plays anything like they did uh, in the SEC run uh, going up to uh, going up all the way through Alabama there. So I uh, see that could be a concern and uh, could be could be the disappointment of the tournament. Seeing what Michigan has done all season, seeing what they 
um, were up to this moment, I think that um, there's definitely a lot of cause for concern, and they definitely could be uh, the disappointment of the tournament. Okay. Um, I'm going to have to go to the two line. I think Iowa. They got the player of the year in the um, Big yeah. Ten. In Luca Garza, in Luca Garza, but I find their their style going against the teams they got set up with is going to be a little of a slower pace, and I think some guys, some teams are just a little bit faster. I I am looking at this in that region there, that um yeah I can see them winning the first game. You know I think they got the power to do that, but that second game I'm looking at an Oregon team that might have just a little bit too many athletes. To take them to, and the coach, they're coached well. They win in the end. I mean, they're a second half team that comes on year after year. Um, they seem like they're like a team that's picked earlier, but they don't play really that cohesive game at the beginning of the season. But they come on at the right time of the year, and I think um, that's going to be a trap game. I, you know, I'm not saying that I'm right here that Iowa can't win it. But if I'm going to be disappointed, I'm going to be disappointed because I like to see Iowa because I want to see what Garza has as he's making, making that next step to the NBA next year. And I just want to see what would he have. But the thing is, it's going to be a hard, hard pulling as a number two. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I think that um, Iowa plays the game the right way. They play it smart. They're a tough, uh, mentally strong team. But when it comes to against teams that are faster and more athletic, they, I, they tend to struggle. So um, that could be a, a tough matchup uh, should they have to play Oregon or even VCU uh, for that matter. But um, we're going we're gonna to transition here to uh, coaches. You know, uh, when you think about the players, they come in and out, but the coaches stay, right? So, so what coaches is, is, is going to use this year's tournament to build his legacy? Who, who, do, you, who do you feel like this, this, this year really matters to? And um, how do you think that this will impact their legacy going forward? Well, it's, a, it's, um, quite a, it's a group out there of guys that this could be a stepping stone to where they're at and what they want to do and where they want to go. And first one, we all have to say, Mark Few. Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, he has to win. I mean, I think this will, like, question came up a couple times. People's asked, if, is this a, a, you know, you can't say it's a bust season, you know, you know. You're, 26-0, and 0. Um, great team. I mean, they're really playing well. But the thing is, can if they don't do it this year, there's going to be a lot of doubters out there, you know. I just feel like this. you're in a, um, a tournament without a Duke, without a Kentucky. Yeah, you got to win. This I think this is a team that I think they're made to win this year. If they don't win, I think Mark Few is like, wow, I'm highly disappointed. Exactly. Uh, probably your best NBA prospect in a long time with Jalen Suggs on this team. Um, so that right there, because most likely he's going to be going pro here in the summer. So you you want to take advantage. I, Mark's been at this for how long now? Over 20 years at Gonzaga. Yeah. Gonzaga, you know, when I first really started getting into college ball, he was always somebody who, you know, led a team that was your Cinderella of the tournament. But really, in as the 2000s grew in 20-teens and up to now here at 2021, he's built a powerhouse out right. west. Right. They're no longer Cinderella. They're no longer Cinderella. And... It's so hard to win. I mean, college ball is just every game's a game. So you're essentially winning six game sevens uh, to to capture a title. You think of great guys like 
uh, Tom Izzo at Michigan State. All that success, one championship. You think of John Calipari and all his success. Granted, Kentucky's not there this year. One championship. And there's plenty of other great coaches. Uh, mine right here in this list, including Bob Huggins, guys like that, uh, Rick Barnes, who, who, who've done this for uh, a lot of years, and no championship. So it's not a guarantee. So when you have an opportunity like Gonzaga has this year, uh, this is your one shining moment. Um, if they were to run the table and win the championship, as, as many believe they can and they will, uh, it will be the first undefeated team since Bobby Knight's Indiana Hoosier did it in 1976. So that would be, what, 45 years ago uh, to the day. So uh, we're seeing a, a lot. I think the biggest pressure correctly is on Mark Few. I think this is his year. This is his opportunity. And, and, and everything is really set up. Just as Dad said, there's no Dukes here. There's no Kentuckys. There's no uh, Kansases in their bracket. But it's not the Kansas that we typically know. So... Uh, you know, Virginia's in this bracket, but they're, they're not as strong as they, they were in recent years. Um, so I, I just feel like this is uh, really squarely on, on his shoulders. I'd say a little bit on Scott Drew at Baylor, but not as much um, to try to get championship. I think they got a good team. I think this is a great opportunity. Um, I, I have mentioned Bob Huggins, always very, very, very good teams, but not great teams. They're, they're a three seed in this tournament. What are they going to do? Um, Shaka Smart really built a, a solid program at Texas. I don't think there's a lot of pressure pressure there. Just like with Nate Oates, Alabama, those, I think they put those guys in the same thing, young guys with, with good teams. But if they win, great. If not, it's not the end of the world. And then the last guy I think of um, is Brad Underwood at Illinois. Right. I think Illinois has got a, a solid team top to bottom. I think that this is a great opportunity uh, with the players and the team that they have to go, go the distance. I think that Brad Underwood is what I was. That was one of my first things looking at his stuff. Not that oh, everybody knows he's a great coach. What he did down at um, FD Austin, um, the Lumberjack. Yeah, yeah. When he was with the Lumberjack, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen F. Austin. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, did a great job. Did a great job down there with not that much talent, and he beat some really good teams. And I think um, getting to Illinois, that he can recruit some um, studs from. Hey, all over the country now, and I think he did a great job, and we can see with this Illinois team, and I think he'll be there for a while, because he, unless somebody try to snatch him out of there, but I believe he Underwood has done a great job there. Exactly, and, and there's, of course, other coaches as well. They probably come up in our conversations as we go along, but um, one thing I, I do see happening here uh, this year is that one coach is going to get their first championship. It seems like all the prohibitive favorites uh, will be first-time champions, unless, you know, something happens miraculously with someone else. But as I see this bracket, I see a lot of first, first-timers, first and I'm excited to see uh, what's what's going to happen as we as we move forward here. So um, which player, I guess transitioning from coach to player, which player needs success in this tournament to strengthen his NBA draft prospect? I'm going to go with um, Kofi Cockburn. Um, out of Illinois. I think the, the guy is like, as, as the NBA is becoming more of a guard's game and less of a big man's game, you know, what, what does Kofi have to offer that going into NBA, he can, he can be somebody that could be a difference for, for an NBA team that is looking for some size or looking for a skilled big man. Um, another DeAndre Ayton, another Joel Embiid, you know, another uh, big man that can make a difference uh, for a squad. Um, I think that Kofi, you know, what he's going to experience through this tournament is, you know, 
can you be better at the free throw line in key moments? He, he was against Ohio State in the Big Ten Tournament Championship game. Can we see that in this tournament? Uh, can he limit his foul trouble? Um, can he impose his will offensively? Can we see double-doubles, more like 2010 type of performances? So I think a, a key to Illinois' success in this tournament is how Kofi plays. And if I think he can compose himself and he can make clutch plays uh, and, and dominate the game like a big man is supposed to dominate the game, I think uh, you could be seeing great things for Illinois. Okay, in that aspect and stuff, man, there's so many transitioning things this year that, you know, a lot of games in and out, not seeing all the players as much as you would like in the past. Um, one young player that transferred from Georgetown, uh, Matt McClung, I think um, a good showing for him would help. That's one of the reasons he left. He felt because he needed more exposure when Georgetown was down. Then he left, uh, went to Texas Tech, which is a very good program. Um, I think a good showing would give some NBA scouts some insight. Young man is very athletic. Um, he needs to be more consistent in ball handling. Um, he needs to. Um, he knows how to get to the rim. Um, he knows how to shoot here and there. He needs to have a better, um, consistent jump shot. But the thing is, if he can show, um, if they can make a little run, win a couple games, show the um, NBA scouts that he does have the toughness and the awareness of what he needs to do, I think you know a good, successful run would help him out. Exactly. Um, that is true. Um, two other players that, that kind of stand out to me uh, is Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga and then Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. I think these guys are trying to enter their names into the top of the uh, draft lottery order. Um, Jalen Suggs, you know, it, as we just mentioned, the NBA is becoming much more and more of a perimeter and guard game. This guy could be, you know, a, a guy that goes into the NBA, has a lot of success as a guard. Um, what are we going to see out of him in, in the big moment? Um, how is he going to handle pressure? How is he going to be able to lead his team and deliver on expectations? Cade Cunningham just – multi-talented in every way. Uh, Oklahoma State really, really played great down the stretch. They kind of have a favorable uh, situation on their side of the bracket um, to start. Um, they have, you know, I, well, I would say favorable, meaning like, you know, it's going to tough game here against Liberty and then Oregon State, Illinois. So uh, it's going to be going to be a challenge, but I, I think they can they can play well. But the key is how's he going to play in this moment? How's he going to improve his draft stock and show that, you know, win or lose, he's 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 the real deal and, and he can take his game to the next level? Well, in that thing, by watching a little bit more of the college game in some aspect, Cunningham is right now slated as the number one pick. This young man, right now, they're trying to compare him with Luca. And then that's hard to do. because That's very hard to do. If right. you get compared to Luca, yeah, you're, you're doing the right things. Exactly. He's a 6'8". He, he handles the ball really well. Um, he sees the floor, you know, the court really well. The floor, he, you know, passes well, finishes well, and he he's a pass first guy. And the thing is, he's capable of taking over a game. And lately, you know, when they needed him, he did it. But Oklahoma State is one of those teams that have many different athletes that can do certain things. A couple games that he had to sit out. You know, other players had to step up. But Cunningham definitely should be. One, two, all depends what whoever gets the first pick, what they're looking for. If they're looking for a guard, I mean, we learned this year. I mean, if they had to redraft and, you know, thing, I think uh, uh, Mellow Ball, he would have definitely been the first pick. But um, you see, this is Cunningham. Cunningham has that flair. And he's only, like I said, a freshman. So I think, you know, I don't think he really have to show too much in this tournament. 
because I think people already know what they got with him. Okay. Okay. Well, we're just talking about individual players. Yeah. Uh, but then it comes down to a team. And, and a lot of times, of course, basketball is a five-on-five, and sometimes you think three-on-threes. But when it comes to commercials, I think it's going to be tough to find a, a better big three than Samuel L. Jackson, Charles Barkley, and Spike Lee. I love those guys every March. I think they crush it Capital in the Capital One, One commercial. Hey, so forget, I'm excited to see don't, those. Don't forget Jim Nance. He's a big part of that. Yeah, Jim, yeah, Jim Nance is uh, the sub. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can't forget him. <laughs> he's, he's subbing in one of those guys get tired. but Aflac. Aflac's been making a run. Exactly. Aflac, don't, hey, they, they, they have a good connection with the you know, NCAA. They're doing well. And, um, hey, that's another one. They're going to come up with something good. Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of like, okay, everybody looks forward to commercials during the Super Bowl, right? Like outside of the game. Um, but March Madness has put together a good slate of commercials of late. So I get excited for those and look forward to seeing them. Yeah, that's it. So finally today, to conclude our first episode with you, we're going to run down a little bit on our bracket. But we're not going to give it all to you. You know, we're going to talk more next week as we set up the Elite Eight and the Final Four. But this week, we're going to devote to first round matchups, second round matchups. We're going to give you our Sweet 16. And then we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk about where we were right, where we were wrong, what yeah. surprised us, where we were strong, and, and, and we, we had our hey, thoughts we, and beliefs confirmed. And, and, so, and, and you know what? What makes March matches so special is you never, little, no, you never, never know, know those little schools say, hey, we get overlooked all the time for the Power Five conferences. Hey, even though we make these picks like everyone else do, we can all go with the number ones, the number twos, the number threes, number fours, and this is thing like that. But no, it's great to see the twelve, the thirteen, you know, a couple tens. Somebody win a one game, a couple games, stuff like that. Yeah, it's a heartbreak for the school to lose, but it's exciting for the fan. So, hey. Who's going to be that team? Exactly. And so we're going to start with the first four because those start on Thursday night. And we're going to uh, open up with the Norfolk State-Appalachian State matchup. I'll be honest, I haven't seen either of those two teams play this year, so I, I really don't know. But what I can tell you is I've seen Norfolk State take out Missouri a couple years, ruined a lot of people's brackets. They're back in the tournament. I guess I'll take them. Oh, boy. I mean, in that aspect, yeah, I'm just going to go the opposite way. Appalachian State. Known as a football school. Hey, hey, Michigan, happy they didn't see them. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, but um, Appalachian State, I think they're going to be the team that um going to have to go up against Gonzaga. Yeah, exactly. So we will see. We will see. Um, we shipped east. Uh, Mount St. Mary's against Texas Southern. Another two teams that I haven't seen, so I really don't know. Uh, so I'm just going to go with Texas Southern. I think I, I think I think they did something good to get here, so I'm going to go with them. Oh, Mount St. Mary's. Okay. Okay, we, this, this is lovely. Good, I like this. This, this is, is fun. This is great. I, well, I agree. Mount St. Mary's would be the team that, you know, they're going to have to face Michigan. Exactly. Well, another school that I'm happy to see in the tournament uh, back in a long time, uh, last time I think they were here, they lost to Western Kentucky in a buzzer beater. That's Drake going to get up against Wichita State, for who really owned the uh, the 20 teens there for a while. The early 20 teens, they uh, were amazing. Um, but I like Drake in this matchup. I think that um, they're they're coming on strong, getting that conference uh, champion 
Um, actually, they're not a conference champion. That's why they're in this matchup. But I think they're playing good overall. I think it's a 25-win team, a solid first time in 16 years back in the tournament. I'll, I'll take them. Yeah, and, yeah, Wichita, it was, it was a, not their strongest year. You know, new coach, everything going about there. Um, but the players are still there. The players are, you know, have a winning pedig- you know, pedigree. You know, just know what they want to do. So, I'm going to have to go again against you. I'm going to go Wichita State. Good enough. And Michigan State, UCLA. Two, power. two, two powerhouses that just happen to be on the, on the bubble this go-around. Yeah, on the uh, downside of their basketball. But Michigan State had three good wins in the Big Ten. They are, I think they're the one team to beat yeah. three top five yeah, teams. Is right. that right? Something exactly. Like that. In, in, in eight days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're, we're going to agree on this one. Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State and March go together. Yeah. So, I'll right. Take and Tom Izzo is just going to, you know, yeah. you're going to see him crying on the sideline. He's going to cry, man. He's going to cry his players to a win, man. You know, it, 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 let's not forget, good job, Mick Cronin, first year at UCLA. I, ironically, no one wanted that job or could, they couldn't figure the coaching situation out. He took the job. Good for him. I think in, in time he'll, he'll, he'll build a program there. But uh, not, not, not that night. I think Michigan State takes it. Okay. So now we're actually going to dive into the tournament, and uh, we're going to start with our west region, shift to our east region, go over to our south region, and conclude in the Midwest where the tournament is held anyway. So I think we'll start with the obvious, Gonzaga against the winner of Norfolk State, Appalachian State. I'm pretty sure that's easy breeze yeah, for Gonzaga. Gonzaga should win. Yeah, I think we all. I think most people would have that pick, you know. Definitely. Then we get into. Oklahoma, Missouri. Little stretch That's there a, is like is is the Big Twelve really, really, really that good? Um, is the SEC a football conference or a basketball conference? Yeah, you can go back and forth. And and ironic thing here, Missouri used to be part of the Big Twelve when it was the Big Eight. Other than the SEC, right? Yeah, and now yeah. So I think this is a you know styling. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, Missouri, and they had that battle, Missouri, you know, Missouri against Illinois. They played early in the year, which they have a you know game they play all the time. And this is a toss-up game. You know, it's because which team is really going to show up. If, the, if they both play their best ball, both of them have really good athletes, but I'm going to lean more towards Oklahoma because I think throughout the whole conference play, they have more tougher games. I agree, and, and that's that's what I'm going to. I think the Big 12 overall a uh, little, little more competitive, and I, I think Oklahoma with the size and with the overall athleticism, I think they get it done against Missouri. Okay. Um, then we shift to Next uh, Creighton against University of California, Santa Barbara. And as I've told you earlier here tonight, I'm going to go with the Gauchos. I think they're playing well. I think their offense – uh, we'll do a little bit more against Creighton. I think Creighton will have a bounce-back performance, but I, I just don't think it'll be enough. I think the Gauchos are on a mission to be one of the Cinderella's of this tournament. I think they get it done. Wow. Um, even though I think the Gauchos are a little bit more athletic, they do play defense, they shoot well, but the Creighton team that lost to Georgetown by 25 is not the same Creighton team. I mean, they had a couple little bumps here and there, but I, I feel that Creighton's I feel like Creighton's gonna pull this off because I don't think they're as bad as they looked against Georgetown. And they had a really good game 
a tough game against UConn in the semifinals of the Big East tournament. And I think Creighton will prevail. It'll be a close game, but I think the um, the, scene, the upperclassmen mentality then will hold it together. I think Creighton will win this game. Gotcha. Well, okay. Um, Virginia, Ohio, that could be a tight game. Um, but honestly, I think in a weird way, not playing, um, that could be a little rush to start, but I think it's been, you know, refreshing for Virginia to be off for a little bit, just get some get some things cleaned up. And uh, I love Tony Bennett. I think he's one of the best coaches in college basketball. I think he'll have his team ready. I think they'll get it done against Ohio. Yeah, well, it, it, my, my insight on this one would be that I would, if, if it wasn't for the COVID and everything going on, I would think this would be um, a good, really good win for Virginia. But I think this is going to be a tighter game than most people think. This Ohio's, you know, from the MAC, they play pretty good ball. I mean, sometimes people don't really realize what goes on because they have made some power five schools um, squints. They even beat a couple in a few in a couple of tournaments. Um, but I think Virginia is going to edge them out. But it's going to be a closer game than most people think. Gotcha. Okay. So we disagree on Wichita State or Drake, but we what we can't disagree with is that uh, the winner is going to play USC. And USC has athletes. I've seen those guys play the other night. They can fly. Uh, they're fast. They're strong, physical. Andy Phil has these guys playing really, really well. Yep, he and, got a good uh, coaching job there. He, he's done a really good job there transitioning from Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast over to um, the USC. other coast and to USC uh, to USC, and I think he's done a good job, and and, and I like the team, and I think hey. if, as long as they don't do anything crazy and beat themselves, I think they should right. get the victory. Right, because I think Mobley is probably going to be one, two, or three within the draft. So that's yes. something that we got to. It all depends on how you play. He needs to get a little bit more weight on him and stuff because in the NBA he's going to have to get a little bit bigger. Um, but he has he's an athlete. He can he plays well, like you said. It's up and down thing. Um, the matchups are well, going to be interesting because, hey, I'll be honest, there's a couple, like, hey, I don't know how many um, brackets you filled out and stuff like that, but hey, so a couple of brackets. I got um, Wichita State beating them, but overall, when I looked at, the, you know, I looked at a couple of their games and stuff, you know, and Bill <laughs> Walton and they're talking about the, the Tournament of Champions or the, the Conference of Champions, um, yeah, USC should win this game. Yeah, we agree on that. Uh, Kansas and Eastern Washington. Um, Kansas was omitted from the Big 12 championship game. Didn't get to see a lot of them uh, this year. I know they, that they beat Baylor's, one of their big wins. Um, it's March. Kansas is always going to do something. Um, this is this is not one of those years where they're a prohibitive favorite. This is a year where they're kind of slipping in as a three seed. So uh, Eastern Washington, I haven't really got to see too much of them, but I'm just going to go with knowing who Kansas is, and I think while it won't be a blowout, I think that they will edge out the win and, and get it done against um, Okay, yeah, I'm going to go with the you know, favorite two here. I'm going to go with Kansas too, but I would not be surprised if this might be a shocker because East Washington is a lot better than people think. And those guys up there in the Big Sky Conference, they, they do really well. So we got to watch out for that. Definitely. We will see. We'll keep our eyes on that. The team that you like a lot is Oregon. You see they got a lot of athleticism. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going up against VCU. Um, not Shaka Smart's VCU. He's, on, he's in Texas now, so it's a different squad, but they're back in the tournament. Um, but I like Oregon here. 
One, I like you know I like Oregon's uniforms. You know I love that yellow and that green. I think that's they're probably to my tops in terms of uh, favorite uniforms. You like their fluorescent so, colors. I, I love it. I love it. If there's like a school that I would go to just to wear their their colors, it would it would totally be Oregon. Um, I love their court setting. I think it's amazing. I, I think when it comes down to I think that Oregon wins the the art championship. If there's like a if there was a bracket for that, I'm going with them. That's just me because I like bright colors. He likes but, uh, clothes, guys. He likes clothes. I'm his father. Yeah, he likes. He knows clothes. that. He knows that. Yeah, but so. then, like when you talk about that Oregon, like VCU, they still play the same style. They play hard nose, do it in your face, stuff like that. This will be a battle, especially at the beginning of the game. But I think Oregon will wear them out more towards the end offensively. Oregon's a little bit faster, and uh, but I, I if you had to look at that toughness, VCU definitely has the toughness in there. And that's just their DNA. But the thing is, um, when it comes down to the end, Oregon, they'll start off sluggish, I believe, and then they'll just kick it into another gear. And I think that's why I'm looking at Oregon for this one here. Sounds good. Well, then we move to the other team in yellow, and uh, that's Iowa, the Hawkeyes. Uh, Fran McCaffrey just signed a four-year extension. Congratulations to him. I think he's done an excellent job with his crew. Uh, they're disciplined. They're tough, well-nosed veteran team. I like Iowa a lot. Um, they play play. Uh, the Liberty of the West Coast, Grand Canyon University. So, uh, Christian University, shout out to them. Uh, but I just, uh, congratulations to getting into the tournament. Uh, congratulations on having an athletic program that they've built to be Division One level and to get to this place is excellent. But I, I just think that, um, you know, they'll start out well. It'll be a decent game, but I think Iowa will take control, especially in the second half, and, uh, and run away with the victory. Yeah, now that's what I would say. I look at this. I, I've seen them play a couple of times. Seen a couple of tapes on them. Um, Grand Canyon, hey, hey, new school into the um, NCA to get to Division One. Uh, like you said, early program. I think they're in the fourth, fifth year. Um, yeah, so you have to be. We've seen a um, California Baptist, the girls lead. They couldn't get in. They were the only undefeated team in um, Division One, but they didn't get in because they only had three years and they had to have a four-year. Um, period to be into the um, conference, you know, to make it to the tournament. But um, Grand Canyon, they got they, hey, a lot better than people think. I think they will win games in the future. Um, but right now, I think that the maturity of an Iowa team, the discipline with an Iowa team will make them win this game. Uh, correct. Um, then we shift to the other Big Ten power as we go to the eastern uh, side of the bracket. And uh, we're going to, uh, we're going to, as we're, just so you, for clarity here, we're, we're going through the round of 32, and then we're going to go to our Sweet 16 picks and close out the show uh, today. Uh, so I see Michigan there. Obviously, we know the injury to Livers. Uh, but, I, but I think that they'll definitely have enough against the uh, Mount St. Mary's uh, Texas Southern winner. And uh, I think they'll be uh, moving on to the uh, second round. Okay, I, I totally agree with that. Michigan is a better team. They, they, they're just not a one-player team. I mean, what most analysts and guys are looking at is the long run all the way through the tournament. The loss of livers would make a bigger count. But the first couple of rounds, I think this team is good enough. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised this team is not good. It, 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 they are good enough to get to the Final Four. But the thing is, it all depends who else steps up. Yeah, exactly that. You know, because they got the depth. They got, you know, and Jawan Howard has turned this program around to get to. I mean, I wouldn't even have to say he turned it around because Beeline did a great job. 
you know, when he made the decision to go to the Cavs, you know, that was his choice. But it, it worked out for Michigan. Yes, you know, in either way. So because they both for, they went from one great coach to a good upcoming young coach, yeah, coach that can relate and, can and, relate and, to the and players, that players that. in, and that's what, and that's what you need. And so I think Michigan is really there. But the thing is, on that next, you know, that next set we're talking about here. LSU and, and St. Bonaventure. Saint that's Bonaventure. a tough matchup. That's a tough matchup for both teams and stuff like that to be there. But I'm picking the Bonnies. Oh, I'm actually going to go the other way with LSU. Uh, I thought that the way that they played in the SEC, I think that they're just peaking at the right time, and I think they're going to edge the Bonnies. I think that loss might hurt them because, you know, they thought they should have won that game. So I think in that aspect it could be a – mental thing and I think the Bonnies are coming in house money no one expect them you know except their, their school their fans and the ones who watched them in uh, you know Atlantic 10 so let's see what we got let's see what we got uh, a, t- a matchup we're really really looking forward to is that Georgetown Colorado matchup <coughs> um, as I've told you at the beginning I'm taking all 12s I like the way Georgetown's playing I like how physical they are uh, I think that, that will, they will impose their will uh, against Colorado. Um, I think the Hoyas will outlast the fight against the Buffaloes, and, and I like Georgetown. Wow. I mean, of course, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a Hoya guy, so I um, always have been. Um, this is a tough one because if I want to go with my heart, I'm definitely going to go with Georgetown. Um, I've seen the Buffaloes play several times, you know, and they're – they're they're very similar with each other. Um, I find that Georgetown, if they play the defense that Patrick has instilled in them, if they play that hard defense that they did that run through the uh, four days in the Big East tournament, they have a very good shot here. Um, offensively, that's what I was more surprised about in the tournament. They were hitting their shots, and that is a big plus for Georgetown. If they're hitting their shots and they're playing really good defense, I think they win this game. And I think they win, you know, handedly. You know, I'm not saying they're going to win like they did Creighton by 25 points and stuff, but I can see them getting an easy 12-point uh, win here. Exactly. And then we, we shift to uh, UNC Greensboro against Florida State. Uh, I like the Seminoles. I like the, the way Leonard Hamilton has built this program. I, I was really looking for – that's another team. We talk about disappointments of teams I did not get to see in 2020. Florida State was one of them. I, they were the ACC regular season champs. They were marching right through that ACC tourney. Uh, got an opportunity taken from them. Uh, but they're back this year. And I know they're not as strong as they were last year, but still coming in here at the four seed, it's a, it's a really, really good spot. Um, I like the way they play. I think they're, um, they're going to get this win and, and go on a little run here. Yeah, when I think about Florida State, I think about two years ago when they, everybody who's seen it, they got kind of ripped off in the Duke game in the tournament, and a lot of people don't want to talk about oh, that. The, ta- the Taco Fall game. Yeah, the Taco not, Fall yeah, game. He was the Fall guy, you know, the, the, the mystery fouls and stuff. Yeah, that's a fact. And um, that's the fact. Barrett, you know, J.D. Barrett pushing somebody out to get the rebound. I mean, if everybody's seen that game, it was like, you know, hey, 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 Duke fans, don't get mad. It's just facts. You know, they, they called it out. Right. You know, it like was that, like, we, you know. we essentially take out of that as a, we're not knocking Duke. We just felt like the, the, the referee, whoever was making the calls, the referees, it was like, we don't want Duke out of the tournament this early. Right. And so we can't let them lose this, this early. This, this early. 
Right. If they lose, it just can't yeah, be now. New Hampshire was on a bad end of that deal and stuff like that. But overall, you know, we see what happens. But right here, Florida State should win this game. Definitely. And then we shift down to uh, perennial BYU. powers, uh, Michigan State, UCLA going up against BYU. Are the Cougars going to show what they showed against Gonzaga, which is like, wow, a team that can really um, do something? Or, or is it going to be Michigan State? Ooh. I'm going to go with the Cougars. Okay. I'm going to run with the Cougars. I, I just feel like they can they can get this win, and I think they will. Okay. West Coast Conference. He wants two West Coast Conference teams. <laughs> no. I'm going with Michigan State. They're peaking at the right time. They played rough at the beginning. Tom, Tom Izzo got them going where they need to do. I think they can win one, maybe two games. But I think Michigan State has them... The predicate, they, they, I think they're going to win this game here. I think they can do it. I mean, BYU, only thing they have that, you know, they can find it is their center, Haas, um, that can't, you know, the big Dutchman um, that played at um, Purdue, transferred over, so he kind of knows what he needs to do against, um, yeah, against Michigan State. But I think Michigan State has enough to win this game. So gotcha. I'm going with Michigan State. Good call. Well, then we shift um, over to Texas, playing against Abilene Christian. Uh, Texas at the three. I think that you know they won their first. I was surprised to see that that was their first. I didn't know that, but it was their first uh, Big Twelve Conference Championship. So um, obviously a, a, a different year, you know, where they don't have to go up against the likes of Kansas and they don't have to go up against the likes of uh, Baylor in this run all the way to. Uh, to the championship, but I, I do believe they're playing well. I think Shaka Smart has has, has figured it out here in Texas. They got they got their uh, recruits in. They got the team playing well, and I think they'll uh, they'll roll against Abilene Christian. Oh yeah, I've seen Abilene Christian in their championship game. You know this shouldn't be a. I think Texas should win and win big in this game. Definitely, definitely. Then we shift to UConn Maryland, which that's a decent matchup there. Um, hey, right, we're talking about biggies, and then we're talking ACC about ACC. No, no, we're former talking about East, right? Yeah, no. Big East, North uh, UConn is back in the Big East. Right. And we're talking about Maryland that used to be ACC, but they switched over to the Big Ten. So now you got Facts. Maryland in the Big Facts. Ten. So you got Big Ten against Big East. Um, I've seen both teams play, doing well. Um, I mean, Maryland got some good athletes on their team, but the tenacity and what um, Danny Hurley has going on over here at um, UConn is changing the um, – the, the way everything is going, the, the tenacity of how he is bringing these players in, I think the toughness of UConn will win this game. That's a good call. That's a good call. And then we're talking about, is it a football school or is it a basketball school? We talk about roll tie. Exactly. You and, know, and, 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 and everybody you know, know me, Mr. Alabama When it comes man. to college football, nobody that's a bigger fan than the man sitting to my left. But – the tide are also rolling when it comes to basketball. Oh yeah, Nate Oaks has done a great. He has, done a fin- he has that, that is, transitioned. That is a team. fantastic hire, right? Because because whoever the AD when they saw what he did at Buffalo, right? They said, well, "Let's get this guy here," right? And you know, you could have a guy that can build a power in in Alabama basketball for, and for a while. And and one thing too, Nate Oaks is a very good recruiter. He's a exactly. player's coach. Correct, and that's why he will get more players. If he, hey, he just needs to go sit in the office with Nick. Yeah, Nick. Bring, hey, people's come to Nick. 
Nick right. don't even have to recruit. That's what Nate Oates is going to be. Right. Then the basketball. See, most people don't even realize how the South is just loaded with, with athletes, basketball players. If you look at your NBA roster, I would say forty to fifty percent of them are from the South. Right, and of course, like we're we're from the Northeast. We will tell you around here is that there's a lot of variety. People do a lot of different things. Like you know, people are skiers and bikers and hikers and campers and. And uh, ATVers, and then they throw in some basketball, throw in some football, throw in some baseball. We're kind of like the jack of all trades up here. But when it comes down to like those real, yeah. like landmark sports and those type of athletes, they're they're highly hey, found in some. Growing up in Alabama, I, I, I understand. Most people don't realize how many basketball players are Alabama guys, and that's one thing. Ella, you know, they come from Louisiana, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia. Loaded. Everybody think it's a, it is it is football country, but they play basketball too. Exactly that. So, so that I'm, is I'm why this team is see, turning around. Yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm excited for Alabama basketball. I think it's a it's a it's an interesting matchup against Iona. Not necessarily for for the sake of Iona, but we know Rick Pitino is a coaching legend in the college basketball world. He has taken his fifth team to the uh, NCAA tournament. I think he's the only third coach to do that. Um, so. You just expect that he's going to make it interesting, just because this is Alabama's first, you know, real showcase here on a big stage. Rick's been there. What can he implement from his mentality into his players? Um, I think it'll be an interesting game, but I think Alabama's just overall the better team, and I think they uh, they get yeah, they play defense and they can shoot. And those are two very important things to do. They 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 can hit the three. Their, their transition game is really, really good. So Alabama is an over, you know, overwhelming favorite for, for this game. Definitely, definitely. So now we're going to break down the South region, uh, round of 32. Um, Baylor against Hartford. I, I think Baylor is an amazing team, one of the best uh, in the country, and I, I think they'll blow by Hartford. Yeah, now this, I think this is probably one of the easiest matchups other than the Gonzaga game. I think um, Baylor just overpowers Hartford. Hartford's a, a great story coming in, you know, winning the American East, you know, you know, in the fashion they did, you know. But, hey, hey kudos to Hartford. Am I taking them? I mean, I was Hartford, and I look at hey, I know they're, they're so excited just to get into the tournament, getting their name announced on TV. Um, but when they seen that they had to go up as a, as a 16, I mean, sometimes when you look at the old schools they used to get in, Vermont, mm-hmm. um, Albany, you know, they used to get in as a 13, 14, that you didn't have to get into this um, one versus 16, and we know only one team. Hey, but the thing is, the last team, the only team to ever be the number one came from that conference. Exactly. So, so we're not going to just say, oh, it's over, but Baylor should win this game because Baylor was overall the favorite throughout the beginning of the year, and between them and Gonzaga in December, you would have, either one could have been number one. But Gonzaga just showed their, you know, tenacity throughout the whole season, consistency. You know, you know, Baylor did have a harder conference to play in, but you can't take nothing from Gonzaga. You, you can't go undefeated these days, and in, 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 unless you're a really good team. Exactly, and then we move to that eight nine matchup. We see Wisconsin North Carolina. I think North North Carolina is a decent team. I like the way Wisconsin's been playing of late. Uh, I just think that Greg Gard has got these guys uh, where they need to be mentally. 
um, physically uh, coming from out of the Big Ten. I, I just think that they'll just kind of tuck their way to a, a gritty win against North Carolina. Oh, man. I, I'm, I'm going with North Carolina because of their bigs. Um, young guards, you know, they got to do, but I think North Carolina got four or five different big men that they can rotate in and out. I think they'll wear them down. They, 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 they'll grab the second shots. They'll do the things they need to do. It'll be an ugly win, probably low scoring, but I, I, I'm, I'm seeing North Carolina moving on here. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, then we shift to another 5-12 matchup. And as I've mentioned all throughout today's show, that um, taking all the 12s, I like the way Winthrop's been playing. They're going up against Villanova with an injury uh, at the point guard position, which I think will be exposed. I think they'll dictate pace. It'll be a close game, but I think uh, Winthrop will edge out and get the victory. Oh, when we think about that, we think about... Um, I'm looking at here, everybody's kind of thinking that it's, it's this thing that um, Villanova's not going to show up. Jay Wright will have Villanova ready. I mean, I don't think you're going to have a power program, one who has won two championships within the last five years, and think that they're not going to be prepared for this. Gillespie a, yeah, was the leader, but they do have more athletes. And I think this time losing in the early, you know, segment of the Big East has given them time to reflect and practice and get themselves ready. I think Villanova moves on from this game. Great, great. Well, if they do that, they're going to have to play the uh, winner of Purdue in North Texas. Um, another team I haven't talked about much, but they're in the Big Ten. They, they play well. Uh, top of the Big Ten is Purdue uh, playing in North Texas. Um, I think that Matt Painter will have his guys ready to go and I um, think they'll get the win when, uh, when they play. Okay. Um, I'm picking Purdue also. You know, I don't know what North Texas State has to offer, um, but I probably imagine they have some athletes and stuff there. But, uh, you know, I just think Purdue is a well-coached team and Painter here, he have his team ready. Sounds good. And then we got Texas Tech, Utah State. Uh, I like Texas Tech. Um, last time we had a tournament, they were in the championship game, nearly won, um, but just wasn't able to get it done. Uh, but they're back, and your guy from uh, Matt Georgetown, McClure. Matt yeah. McClure, is there. So I think it's an opportunity for him to showcase his talents. I think he'll lead the way. I think Texas Tech will get a, get a victory against Utah State. Right, and I think here Utah State has some athletes. They can run. They can shoot. But I think the toughness of the conference – I think that's what's going to get Texas Tech through this thing. They they move on. Gotcha. And then we move on to what I believe will be the big upset of this tournament. Colgate going up against Arkansas. I'm honestly surprised Colgate got this low of a seed with only one loss. Um, their offense is amazing. They're efficient. Uh, they're going up against an up-and-down team in Arkansas. I see them going out there dictating pace, uh, playing with a ton of confidence, scoring a lot of points, and... Uh, going away with a victory against Arkansas. Okay. I, in that aspect, um, yeah, I'm looking at Colgate's thing because, like you said, um, I don't think they should have been a 14 seed. That, that, that's really disrespectful for what they did in this season. I think um, they're one of those teams that can really shoot. They can really play well. and um, But the thing is, 
a lot of people think there'd be a, I don't think this would be a big surprise for a lot of people, you know, because I think um, Colgate's a lot better than what you think. Like I said, they're one of the best shooting teams in the country, not just in their conference. And um, now Arkansas is an athletic team, but not consistent. That's the thing I think if they don't make mistakes, Arkansas can win this game. But the thing is, I think, you know, the discipline and the way Colgate plays, they'll hold on this one. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you there. Then we talk about two teams I haven't paid attention to too much this year. Just going on a whim here with Florida and Virginia Tech. I think just kind of middle of the pack teams in both the SEC and ACC respectively. So I'm just going to go with the Gators. They usually tend to play well in March, and I think they'll get this victory. Yeah, I'm going with the Gators too. Like you said, middle of the road teams. I mean, but I think White has um, – he's a good coach for um, Florida and stuff like that. Um, I think he have he have motivated his players enough to get through this game. Definitely. And then we go to a team that I, I think a lot of. I think they're going to make a great run in this tournament. That is the Ohio State Buckeyes. Calling out to you, Buckeye Nation. Going up against Oral Roberts. Um, I've seen Ohio State play a couple times. These guys are tough. They're gritty. Um, just They play, they play the game uh, with a lot of intensity, urgency. Um, nobody's, nobody's super, but uh, nobody's uh, going to hurt you. I think that they have a good collect, collection of weapons. I think Chris Holtman has done an excellent coaching job with his squad. Um, played great. I mean, there's a player two away from uh, coming away with the Big Ten title. Um, weren't able to get it done. But I, I like I like the way this uh, bracket shapes out for them. And uh, I see them uh, starting out with their uh, first victory against Oral Roberts. Mm. Yeah, and I, speaking on that, Oral Roberts is a team that is going to be a sneaky team. But I don't see that um, no, Ohio State should win this game handedly, wear them down um, with the athletes they got there. I, I, when I look at Ohio State, I don't see they're like great shooters, stuff like that, but they're physical. And they know what to do. They know how to slash. They know how to pass. They know how to do the things. They play the defense, and they're coached really well. So I think I can see Ohio State just moving on. Moving, okay. Moving on to the Midwest. Yeah, Midwest. You know. Um, Midwest is where the tournament is going to be held here. And uh, one of the prohibitive favorites to uh, win uh, a championship here is Illinois. Right. Um, a very complete team coming off of an amazing uh, run in the Big Ten. Uh, solid wins against everybody in the Big Ten, um, including the likes of Michigan, Michigan State, Iowa, and then uh, Ohio State uh, this past Sunday. Um, I think they're going to start a title run here. Against Drexel, I, I think that they just over will will just overpower Drexel. Be one of the one of the blowouts on uh, the first uh, first round. I, I like them to, to start their uh, march to glory uh, with that first win. Okay, uh, yeah, I'm going with Illinois too. Definitely, they really they they got a very complete team. Yeah, uh, totally totally agree with you there. What we might have a challenge with is this next matchup, which I think is one of the more painfully difficult matches matchups right. in the first round. You have an ACC champion. I know the ACC is down this year, but still, it's the ACC. And Georgia Tech won it and was given a ninth seed. They're playing up against Loyola Chicago. We love Sister Jean. We love what they did a couple years ago. That team's uh, got a ton of wins. They're going up against uh, Georgia Tech. And I have just no idea really how to how to slice this i think it's going to be a last possession type game and um i'm gonna go with loyola chicago 
Ooh, okay. Yeah, I can see that happening. Sister Jean is going to Sister Jean's travel. presence she, is going to make the difference. Right, she's traveling. She's going to be there. 101. <laughs> 101 and going strong. So yeah. we shout out to you, Sister Jean. I think you're going to be the difference. Your presence in that building. Right, and um, right there, in this game, like when you were talking earlier and stuff about um, when you look at Georgia Tech winning the ACC, we had to think about Duke dropping out. Um I think also in that area that um, Virginia dropped out, so they got a, a bye game. So um, they, it wasn't a full. It's like Georgia Tech got there. They did beat Florida State. So they did do what they needed to do. But I, I, they're, they're very, very good coaching, young coach, improving, but not at that level yet. I, I'm, I'm, I think, you know, um, like little Chicago. Because I think they're going to be motivated to play Illinois. Fact, and that, that can't wait for that matchup if that were to happen. But the next matchup, again, uh, my final twelve that I'm taking over a five. Oregon State. I love the way they played the Pac-12 tournament. They played really well. They played together. They played as a cohesive unit. They played just uh, amazing ball, uh, getting getting victories um, to 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 get the. Championship in the Conference of Championship, uh, Conference of Champions, as they call it, uh, in the Pac-12, and they're going up against Tennessee up and down. I, I just like their chances. I like the way they're, they're they're playing going into the tournament. I'm going to take them over Tennessee. I think Rick Barnes is going to have Tennessee ready for this game. Um, again, up and down thing, but I think this is going to be up just at least for this first game. Um, Oregon State again, one of those middle of the pack. I mean, I, I watch a lot of late games from the. Uh, Conference and Championship, I love Bill Walton and um, and his antics and stuff like that. But I've seen the the Pac-12 play and how they played. And um, I've seen Oregon a few times, Oregon State. I can't see two Oregon teams moving on. So I'm, I'm, right here, I'm going to pick Tennessee. There you go. That's a good call. And I'm just going to admit to being wrong about being – uh, Oklahoma State. I said they kind of had a favorable situation. They do not have a favorable situation. I'm sorry. They're playing Liberty. Then if they win that, uh, it's Tennessee, Oregon State, and then it's Illinois. So no, it's hard. Not 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 easy. It's actually going to be hard. But they have Cade Cunningham, who is going to be a top level prospect in the NBA. This is a like I said, this is a great showcase for him. What are you going to do in a tough moment like this? Can you lead your team? I think he will. Much respect to Liberty University. They've really had a great run in basketball, taking care of the Big South year in and year out. Uh, they had a upset two years ago uh, as a 12 seed moving on. Uh, but this is a tougher matchup. I think Oklahoma State is faster, more physical. I think the Cowboys will come out and get a victory against the Flames. Yes, I believe Oklahoma State has too many athletes. They, they, like I said, Kate Cunningham is the star player, freshman. Most, most likely the overall first pick in NBA draft. But the thing is, they're more than a one-player team. And I think they will... Um, yeah, Liberty will play a good game because you know Rick, Rick, Ricky McKay got a, got these plays mm -hmm. playing. He has That's changed correct. the atmosphere of the school um, and what he's done. Um, yeah, I think he have his you know, his team ready. They'll play, but I think when it comes down to it, you know, the the conference play of Oklahoma State will get them through it with their athletes. That's a fact. And then we move on to what I consider a painfully difficult matchup for my hometown team, Syracuse Orange, going up against San Diego State, who was a team that um, 
could have made a run in 2020 is one of my teams that I'm, I'm missing out on. But um, I, I just think that if the Orange are, are, are going to win, it, it's going to have to come at the defensive end. Uh, but their athletes, the team they, they, they put on the floor, typically is, is struggle. I think that was uh, noted uh, against Virginia in that ACC quarterfinal where um, Virginia made, what, about four or five threes to close the game, couldn't get the could get the stop in the zone. So San Diego State just, is just fast. Um, and as long as they don't turn the ball over too much and and play themselves out of the game, I, th- I think they should uh, – they should run with this one. I believe the key to this game is that not get frustrated with the zone of Syracuse. When you fir- your first time seeing it, I mean, you can watch tape and stuff like that, but when you play against it, it's a total different thing. Um, Beheim has, you know, mastered that zone. But the thing is, I find that right now, Buddy Beheim is the one carrying Syracuse, and you can't, you're not like, it, when you get to this level and you're playing a team like San Diego State that can shoot the ball, run the ball, and play defense, um, you know, Buddy may get his thing, but someone else, two or three other guys got to step up. And right now, I don't see that happening with Syracuse. Really love them, hometown team, um, would love the success, you know, you know, for them to do what they need to do. But the thing is, I think there's too many athletes at San Diego State. And like you said, they're one, you know, getting cut short. They lost one player, their, their guard from last year. I think they still got a really solid team, and I think they're ready to show people that they deserve to be mentioned in the breath with the top teams in the country. Very, very true. And then we talk about one of the other top teams is West Virginia. Uh, we said they're going up against Moorhead State. Uh, but what is West Virginia going to do? Are they going to make a run? Are the Mountaineers going to climb that mountain? Are, are they going to they going to make a move? Um, I don't know what you know what they're going to do, but I know that they'll get the, the win against Moorhead State in the first round matchup. Yeah, the toughness. They, Bobby Huggins, he always have a tough team. No matter where he coaches, his teams are tough. Now the thing is, do they have enough offense? Yes, I believe in this game they will have enough offense to get them through this game. Morehouse State is coming in with a win in the tournament championship, beating um, Belmont, who's probably really disappointed knowing that they didn't get to this tournament, expecting to be here. But Morehouse wanted it more, and they got it there. So, But I, I can see West Virginia winning this game. Definitely. And then we shift to... My surprise team, the, 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 the happy surprise that I have is Rutgers. Back in the tournament for the first time in forever, going up against Clemson. I like their chances. I'm going to go with the Scarlet Knights over the Tigers in the first-round matchup. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a hometown team too, Rutgers. You know, growing up in the backyard where Rutgers is and stuff like that, seeing my boys grow, teaching them how to ride their bikes under the wheel. Hey, that's where we were from. But the thing is, yeah. It's happy to see Rutgers here. They haven't seen them here in years and stuff. I was back in the day when, you know, when we think about the last time there was an undefeated team, 1976. Most people don't realize Rutgers was in the Final Four. And wow. most people don't That's realize crazy. that. I didn't, I didn't even know that, of course. Yeah. What a, what a Dabney cool and, and Sellers and stuff like Phil Sellers and stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is really good to see them back. Exactly, and and one of the um, uh, shifting to our final first round matchup, uh, one of the quiet favorites here uh, is Houston. Houston Cougars uh, coming out. Kelvin Sampson leading this team to a twenty seven to three record, and um, they're looking good. Uh, they open up against uh, Cleveland State. I 
think uh, they'll take care of their business and, and move on to play Rutgers. Okay. Sounds good. Definitely. So now we're going to uh, conclude here with giving you our Sweet 16 picks. Um, we're going to do the same thing we just did with the opening round, going west, east, south, and midwest, and then we'll close out the show. So Gonzaga, Oklahoma, I, th- I think this is uh, Gonzaga's march to glory, and I think it continues against Oklahoma. I just think they have a, a more offense, just more uh, playmaking ability, and I, I think that they'll uh, take care of business against the Sooners. Okay, I'm, I'm going with um, Gonzaga too, and then we move on to that second matchup. Crate, Crate, I had, you know, Creighton against Virginia, and um, I can see Creighton moving on. Gotcha. I, I, well, I, I didn't have Creighton. I had UCSB, but um, going against Virginia, I just think that they're going to run into a team that really knows how to play solid D. Um, and has the athletes and ability to score as well. I think Tony Bennett will have his boys ready and uh, for a tasty matchup against Gonzaga. Okay. Then we get a matchup with um, USC against Kansas. Definitely. Um, that's what I'm seeing here, USC-Kansas. I think USC just has the athletes. I think they're just a little stronger. I think Andy Enfield will have his boys uh, poised and prepared uh, to take, uh, take care of Bill Selfs. Kansas Jayhawks, you know the Jayhawks are always going to make it a fight, uh, but I think in the end uh, USC is uh, going to just going to uh, con- uh, continue their season uh, with a with a relishing uh, victory against uh, the Jayhawks. Okay, all right, I'm going with USC also. Definitely, and then we have Oregon Iowa. Uh, this is where I think we differ, uh, but I, I just think Fran's going to have his guys ready. I think Luca is a senior moment. Um, I think that they'll do just enough to. Uh, eke out a vi- uh, victory against uh, Oregon. Hey, I, I love Fran. When he even when way back when he was here with us here at Siena, you know. Yeah. So um, I, 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 I think he's done a great job. I think it was great for him to get out there to Iowa. But at this point in time, I think the athleticism and the late run for Oregon will get them to where they need to be. I think they have better athletes. I think. Or I, I feel Iowa has a very good team, very disciplined team, very mature team. They know how to shoot, but all in account, you have to be athletic when you move on. And I think at this point in time, Oregon has a little bit more athletic ability. And I'm, I'm picking, I'm picking Oregon in here. Good, good. Now we shift to the East region, and I'm just gonna go on a limb here, okay? Because I, I can, I can ride chalk, right? But I don't think you're here to listen to chalk. I think you're here to listen to something a little different. I'm going to take LSU over Michigan. I was really, really impressed about how they played um, over the course of the last couple of weeks of the season. I see Michigan limping a little bit. If, if Livers is back and he's effective, I probably will be wrong. But as I see it, that injury could have an impact in this game where – uh, th- that wing position is is so vital, and I just I just see that Christian Waffer is going to take advantage. I think the team will take advantage. I think Will Wade will have his guys uh, motivated for an upset. I don't think the loss against Alabama is going to be devastating. They have a good opportunity here, and I like to see them surprise everybody and take down Michigan and advance to the Sweet 16. Wow, that's where we had difference because I had picked the Bonnies to get there to play Michigan. I think it's going to be a really good game. But, like again, I think Michigan is more than just one player. I think Michigan will win this game and get to the you know, 16. Gotcha. And then we shift to Georgetown and uh, Florida State. 
Um, that's what I have here going in. I, I, I see Florida State as as, as marching on. I, I like Georgetown. I think that that's where the run run will end. I think Leonard Hamilton would just outduel Patrick Ewing's uh, and Patrick Ewing's squad just a little bit. I think the uh, Seminoles move on to the Sweet Sixteen. Right. Um, I guess we, hey, my heart would say Georgetown, but my you know, my looking at things how everything falls apart. I'm going with Florida State also. Gotcha. And then we get. Uh, what I have is BYU against Texas. I think Texas is just a little stronger here. Um, the athletes will, will show themselves. Shaka will have his boys ready up against BYU, and I think they'll advance to the Sweet 16. Okay. I, I had Michigan State in that slot instead of BYU, and um, but I think Texas is a little bit more tuned, and Shaka has these guys ready to play. Definitely. And then we get UConn-Alabama. Uh, roll Tide. Roll Tide into the Sweet 16. Yeah, you know, like, you know, strange enough, I'm a Big East guy. I love the Big East. I'm the beast of the East always. Um, but, yeah, road tide. I think the tide is ready. Nate, Nate Oak got these players where he needs to be, and I think they're ready to make a big run. Definitely. So then we shift over to the south bracket. Uh, Baylor, Wisconsin, that's at least what I have. You have North Carolina. But either way, I think Baylor's the stronger team, faster team. I think Scott Drew will have his guys ready to go, and uh, they'll take care of business and head to the Sweet 16. Right. And I, when I look at Baylor, I think they, they got, they're undersized, but they got good guard play. So I think I'm going with Baylor in this one too. Definitely. Then we uh, have uh, what I have is Winthrop against Purdue. I think that the Cinderella run uh, stopped short. Um, I think Matt Painter is, is going to make a little uh, noise here. I think that they'll uh, they'll do just enough to get the job done and, and, and take out Winthrop and head to the uh, Sweet 16. Okay, I know Purdue's been playing really well and I had them going to the thing, but I, I had actually, we disagreed, I had put Villanova in because I think um, Jay Wright had his team ready because you get that early exit in the Big East gave him time to prepare a little bit more. And I see um, them at least winning two games, so I got them beating Purdue. There you go. Good call. Good call. So now we got Texas against Colgate. Texas Tech. Texas Tech against Colgate. Um, you know, toothpaste is good for a lot of things, but it's not good for a second round win. I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm using the silly puns there. But um, Texas Tech, Colgate, I think, like I said, Colgate, great run. But Texas Tech, uh, it's just uh, they can do the things Colgate does, but just a little bit better. I, I see them getting the victory. Well, Definitely, Colgate's a better shooting team. I've seen, you know, I've seen Texas State play several games and stuff like that, but I think they have more athletes. So I see Texas Tech moving on because of their athletic toughness and their defense when they can lock down. Gotcha. Then we go Florida, Ohio State. This is probably my blowout of the second round. I just think Ohio State um, just is just the overall better team. I think that they match up. In every phase, well, um, I think that they'll uh, take out Florida and advance to the Sweet 16. Yeah, I think Coach White had these guys playing terrible. I think um, Ohio State went, but I don't see Ohio State as a blowout type team. It's not football. I think <laughs> I think um, this is going to be a tighter game than you think, and I think Florida is going to be in it. Um, I think what's going to probably hurt one of the teams is going to probably be foul trouble um, because that because they are very um, aggressive. But I see Ohio State, you know, winning this game. Definitely. Then we have what we look forward to as the uh, sweet matchup here uh, between Loyola and Illinois. I think that, that I think that game is going to be good. 
think that game will be close. But I, I, I just like Illinois. They're, they're the cream of the crop in that state. I think they move on. Yeah, I can see that too. I think um, the run-ins for Lyle and Chicago. But they'll be in the game. I don't think it'll be a blowout. Um, you know, what, what are we talking about blowouts? I mean, a 10-point win, that's not really a blowout. I think they'd be uh, they represent Chicago itself really well, you know, um, and I think a lot of people's in uh, in the state will be going for um, Loyola. But the thing is, um, they know their best chance if they want somebody from Illinois to win is going to be Illinois. So I'm going with the you know fighting that line there. There you go, there you go. Now we move on to Oregon State, Oklahoma State. Um, going to go Oklahoma State here. I think uh, Cade will be the edge. I think they'll get the win. I think Oregon State's going to put up a fight. That'll be a close game. If there is a 12 seed I see getting a second win, it, it would be Oregon State. But I just think Oklahoma State just has a little bit more, and uh, they'll get the job done. Okay, I'm going to Oklahoma State here because I have them going against Tennessee, and that's when they're going to go down. Remember it's up and down? I think this would be the down. And... Um, I think Oklahoma State has a little bit more going for him, and I think um, Cunningham want to prove that he's a leader. Definitely. Then we got SDSU against West Virginia. I'm going to SDSU here. I, I like I like what these guys do. I like the Aztecs. Uh, I think their their speed will outduel West Virginia. I think they'll move on to the Sweet Sixteen. Oh, I, I'm I'm with you too. I'm riding that too because I think they got the speed and the shooters to do what they need to do. Exactly. And then as much as I love Rutgers, I just think Houston is just a dynamite team. I think they're one of the teams not many people are talking about. Um, love what the Scarlet Knights did. I like them getting here. I like them getting a win, but I like Houston moving on to this. Yeah, Calvin Sampson has some. He, 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 he had these guys ready to go, ready to play, do what they need to do, and move on. Exactly. So there you have it. That's our discussion through the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament. We will revisit that uh, next week. We will also talk about what we think is going to happen for Elite Eight for Final Four. We'll tell you about what we actually had, um, the adjustments we made, and, and what we see. We hope you enjoy a, a wonderful weekend of college basketball coming up. It's a, it's a blessing that it's back. First time in two years. And I did say we'd be around an hour or actually around an hour and a half, but obviously we had a lot of content, a lot of matchups to talk through. So for those who listened to the full 90 minutes, we really appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we look forward to talking and uh, catching up next week and seeing uh, what all happens here. Hey, uh, send, and send in your comments. You know, we want to know what can we do to serve you better? Exactly. We're, we're going to make ourselves available for, through a variety of different means. Head on over to anchor.fm forward slash like father, like son sports, where you can connect with us. And uh, we look forward to building a community here and, and being of service to you. So for now, have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy the starts of the tournament, and we will see you next week. See you next week. Thank you so much for listening today. Whether you tuned in with us through Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, we are thankful, and we would also like to invite you to connect with us. Head on over to anchor.fm forward slash likefatherlikesonsports, where you will find our social media outlets via Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Until then, be well, stay safe, and we will see you next time on the Like Father, Like Son Sports Podcast.